You're listening to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. And wouldn't you know it, it actually is Bick and the Boss. What is up? Back. Turn your mic on. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm out. Fumbling right I'm away. Out. Mike was off. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame Art Factora because he's back in the studio. <laughs> this is like the first time that the whole gang has been together in, yeah. in forever. In this time slot, we did a morning show together. It, Greg Ballack missing the reunited and feel so good intro. But, uh, you know, maybe later, later. You got to start with the show intro. Oh, okay. All right. Who even sings that? Is that Captain Tennille? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I don't think it's Captain and Tennille, though. I, 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 I don't know. Uh, Greg will figure that out. I, I feel like it's got a weird name. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Peaches and Herb. All right. We're there. We're there. We are reunited. Uh, Art was on top of it. Uh, Bick and the Boss, presented by Avenue Machinery. Give yourself the avenue advantage and stay under the cap by saving thousands on select Kubota skid steers and excavators. Visit avenuemachinery.ca. So what did I miss? Offer sheets and uh, Pedersen's still not signed. You remember when we did shows in June? Or was it June or July? And we were talking about July. Hey, yeah. What's a good July? And I was like, you know, sign one of Pedersen and Hughes. I, I'm not, you'd love to get both, but just sign one of them. And here we are, September 1st, unsigned. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, I, I'll be worried once training camp rolls around if, if we're still talking about this. But yeah, right now, not not so, so worried. Uh, the Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650, Donkey the Roofer. Get after it today, I for- Stoker. I forgot all about this. You forgot about Stoker, <laughs> didn't you? Yes. Yes, you did. I haven't even changed your name in my cell phone yet to Stoker. Oh, I forgot all about this. Uh, great callback, Donkey the Roofer. Donkey the Roofer. Yeah. But hey, listen, I'm, I'm not going to be uh, too concerned if we're we're mm-hmm. at training camp and everyone's signed, sealed, and delivered, there's still some time. But you're right. You looked at the summer, and hey, we also what was the over under on on what was going to be a busy yeah. sort of uh, time for Jim Betting, and he blew that out of the water with all the moves and everything he did. But he still hasn't got to the the final piece of business or final two pieces, and I would suggest that that's coming. Uh. Not that we want to start on on that conversation, but it is the the broadcaster's curse. You know, my big my big worry is, uh, look, I, I love doing what I do, and you take time off. You're like, boy, I hope they don't sign Pedersen when I'm away. But you you take time off, and you expect big news to happen. Uh, we didn't get a lot uh, during the time away, uh, but Louis Erickson decided today, why don't I say something and provide uh, the city of Vancouver with some content? Now I will say, look, this is a uh, foreign interview. Sometimes things get lost in translations and all this sort of stuff. And headline writers don't always do you a favor and all this sort of stuff. No, so, they, they like to tease you to, to, to yes. get you to read what's there. So he's doing a, a interview uh, with Henrik Lehman uh, online. And I'm, I'm just going to spell this out because I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But it's R-A-K-A uh, puckar.com. And... Look, the, the headline does not doing is not doing Louis any favors, and and there's some things that the writer has written. There's something Louis Erickson has has said, and it's a little bit difficult to parse what the quotes are versus what the writer is saying. But you know, the the way Louis phrasing it is excited by a new opportunity. Obviously, yeah. And, and why wouldn't you be? Hey, you're going to an Arizona. We we know how tough it is, and it has been for Louis Erickson here uh, in BC. 
and will remains to be seen how much playing time he actually gets in Arizona and all this sort of stuff. But a lot of what uh, he had to say was looking forward to a fresh start. Yeah, and why wouldn't you? If if you're Louis Erickson, listen, your your time was up here in Vancouver. We noticed he wasn't the first one out of the press box. He he wasn't playing as much in, for a while there. His salary dictated he was a goal scorer or a point producer. He wasn't. He was pretty sound defensively, mm-hmm. and they used him. But then eventually, yeah, they, they had to move on from it. The, the, the one thing I, I did giggle about, and again, it could be translation, but the, the Bertuzzi, it is what it is. Yeah. Louis coming hey. out with, it was what it was. That, that is, if, if that is accurate translation, that is outstanding. It was what it was. Yeah. Uh, again, we were talking about quotes that are getting transcribed and or, or translated, it's not the perfect at times, but he said, hey, it's going to be a lot of fun, new team, new coach, new players. It feels like starting over, all over again, uh, is what he said. And I, I know there's some worry of like, hey, the headline says this, and it sounds like, hey, Louis' bullying is over. And, and let's be real, like there was a lot of harsh critiques of Louis Erickson on these airwaves, from yep. fans, people in the stands, when you could go into the stands, all this sort of stuff. He had a rough go of it in Vancouver. Now, to be fair, he didn't provide what was necessary. No. And the goals were lacking. The points were lacking. And he never got anywhere close to approximating any sense of value on that contract. So a lot of the criticism was fair. But, hey, over four or five years, it takes its toll. On any human being, it's going to take its toll. And he mentioned, hey, I've been a loyal uh, team first guy. And those are all absolute facts for Louis Erickson. You know, and, and never really complained about it. No. And you wonder, Bick, too... Sorry to cut you off, yep. but like his value or I won't say legacy, that's too strong, but his value being here might've been teaching people how to, to be the right person sure. when you're not in lineup, teaching them how you still have to work hard, how you, you have to be a good teammate. And you know what? There were never really any whispers about him doing the opposite. So that would lead me to believe that as a veteran guy, he showed up, he, yes, he collected a big paycheck, but showing that to some players who might be in a similar situation, maybe not for that long, but that's important learning as well. And and Louis, if you ask anyone, was a good teammate. And this opportunity to go to a new team uh, from the, the icy cold rink of Vancouver to the warm, hot desert, as it was translated in the article or however it was, yeah, th- there's a chance here. I guess he gets a better spot or lot in life down there. But again, he's going to have to prove it. And I'm not so sure where he is in his hockey career that he he will get much more of an opportunity, but perhaps I'll uh, eat my words later. He was asked, you know, to describe what the last few years have been like uh, for him. And he said, of course, it's been tough. What to say? I've tried to work on the side, keep going and and, drive as hard as I could. Uh, but it takes on the psyche. I still have been over in the NHL for many years, and you want to help those who know know me. You know that I've always been a loyal player who wants to do everything for the team. Tough uh, when that's not allowed to jump in and drive. Again, some translation uh, stickiness here. Uh, but I got to make the best of the situation. Uh, there's been a lot of training, especially last season. But again, it's it's one of those things is when Louis Erickson's name gets mentioned, there's going to be a lot of vitriol, and, and understandably so. But I, I think we have to be able to parse certain parts of of this thing that I think people are going to get really mad about. Yeah. Of, hey, you had your chance, you were well compensated, all this sort of stuff. You have to be able to separate, hey, uh, what he is saying in this scenario and what is kind of being plotted. And you also have to hope that the translation works because some things don't 
matchup or maybe I was misquoted because we've seen this before with Louis speaking to the press in, in Europe and that was and two so, years ago yeah yeah some things get lost a bit in translation as you mentioned before so take it for what it is but f- for both sides you got to believe that they're both happy that there's a new beginning and a new opportunity. So unsigned text here. Hopefully OEL isn't the new Ericsson. That's an unsigned text. Into the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line, which you can text in the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Is that the number one fear heading into this season? Because when Louis Ericsson was signed, it was somewhat celebrated. Hey, you know, maximizing the last bit of the Switzerlands. Here's someone they know. Here's someone that they can get production out of. And this is a chance. But there were some skeptics that said, hey, this isn't going to age well. It might be fine in the here and now, but this isn't going to age well. And there are some fears about what this might look like. That, to me, back then was, uh, for me, and look, it's easy for me to say now, it wasn't on air back then, all that sort of stuff. Um... That was a big fear for me back then. Heading into this season, is that the biggest fear that, not that he's the new Louis Erickson, but is the fear that Oliver Ekman Larson, is that the number one thing to be worried about coming into this season? So let's go back with with Louis Erickson when he came to Vancouver. The thought was, as you said, he's going to be a great compliment for the Sedins. Here's a guy who, you know, Played with them a little bit internationally. Someone who's had a, a solid career, you know, had put up points wherever he had been prior to coming to Vancouver. And let's not forget the year he had prior to his arrival here. You know, 30 goals, 33 assists. You're like, okay, that that's great. Louis Erickson's going to come to Vancouver. And, man, with the Sedins, that could be 50 goals. There were some people who were sounding alarm bells, but other people were like, no, this, this is a smart decision for a guy who is produced up until the point he came to Vancouver. In OEL's case, in in my opinion, it's the reverse. Here's a guy who's been struggling, mm-hmm. hasn't really hit his stride, and by all accounts needed a change of scenery. So we got Louis on a bit of a high, and he never lived up to it. He couldn't keep it up. In OEL's case, He's kind of at the the bottom. He's now he, he, just from a, a talent evaluation point, contract price point yeah. of, of 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 acquisition for the trade. Yep, they paid a certain cost for sure. They, they paid did. sticker price. If they not, they, a bit they more. did, but they they had to give up something to yes. get some. But what I'm saying is, if as people are fearing that Oliver Ekman Larson is going to be the next Louis Erickson, I tend to look at it as his new lease on life, his movement. Hey, Louis talking about a fresh start in the desert. Maybe that works for him. Mm-hmm. This, if anything, is going to is going to be the thing that kickstarts him into the right direction. So you're not. They paid a big price. They had to to get to get some contracts out of here. But it, but in my opinion, you look at it. I would say that this, if this doesn't jumpstart it, nothing will. So I'm gonna reserve judgment and say, hey, I believe that the move for OEL is going to be the thing that puts him off in a good start. Because in theory, like. OEL is a 40-point D-man. Yes. They don't really grow on trees, these guys. Like, even now, it was 24 points last year, 46 games. And we can go through the defensive metrics and all that sort of stuff, and all those questions are valid and necessary conversations. But I'm just talking about production output. Like, there haven't been a lot of 40-point D-men for the Vancouver Canucks. Like, it's one of the things when Quinn Hughes burst from the scene. It's like, oh, my God, we can talk about 50, 60 points, yeah. let alone 40. And so th- th- there's a certain level of production, I think, 
the slippage from Ekman Larson, like right now, if he's on pace for, you know, 44 points right now in Arizona, what can he do in Vancouver? I feel like that's kind of the baseline is 40 points. And he would say, hey, that's actually kind of exciting. As far as people that you're like afraid that might not be able to live up to a certain billing, you start going through the team and like, uh, for me, like it, it kind of might be Tanner Pearson. I know he's coming off of that contract and he gets this, this, this deal and it's like, Okay, what's your role going to be? Because his role may change as the season goes along. And, and this yes. isn't about, hey, he's going to have a bad year. But, hey, Garland's now in the mix. Hoaglander could take a step. But Colson's now in the mix. There are a lot of other candidates that you can say might pass him in the lineup, usurp him, and suddenly your role changes and what you would pr- previously expect from a guy on a, on a season on a whole, you would say, can be consistent and you know, give you that 18 goals. But he has hot and cold streaks in the middle, is that someone who doesn't live up to their potential? Is that a fear you have going into the season? No, because I look at a veteran hockey player like him, he's going to be pushed because now he's not just going to be handed a a spot on the second line. He's going to have to earn what he gets. He's going to have a lot of young players wanting to take his spot. And that internal competition, Bic, we've talked about it numerous times before, when you don't have it and, and you've only got certain amount of players and you're like, wow, we're thin. We, we only have really six top forwards and you're always in that top six. When there's that threat of moving and, and going in and out of the lineup, to me, that's going to be the thing that will drive Pearson forward. That will be the thing that gets him going to try and keep his spot. He's been around long enough. He's been on you know championship winning teams. And when you have those young guys looking to dethrone you and try and you know, take you off line number two, I would suspect that we'll see better things from Pearson moving forward, whether he can sustain it or, or surpass or stay ahead of those Hoaglanders, Pod, Colson, whatever it is. But to me, that internal competition is going to be a key driver for a lot of players and especially a veteran guy like him. Uh, so good text coming to the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line, a, a bunch of others. Uh, Bick and the baby today? What's going on? I was crying and you know about josh elliott wolf taking my parking spot i'm not gonna make it ab- about me today oh, is that why josh walked out and be like he didn't say much to me no. yeah he, he was like bick nice to see you back in the building and they gave you the coldest shoulder yeah I, i'm i'm gonna stay away from refrain from that narrative because uh emily in the valley 656 yes. he writes love it just for today can we not talk about who the boss is i'm sick of the last seven months of saber rattling boss talk it comes across as condescending and reeks of some other people in the market. My show, my show, my show. Stick to sports and not the pecking order. <laughs> Time for a name change. Emily in the Valley. So yeah, I, I'm not going that narrative today. She's I, yeah. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to try and stay on course with the sports talk, Emily. But thank you for pointing that out. Uh, all right. So we'll uh, we'll quit on that one. Thank you for the update for everyone in the uh, 650 650 inbox, though. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, the uh, baby update. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, we got some breaking news, C-Mac. Sportsnet 650, breaking news. Uh, not necessarily for the Vancouver Canucks, but a big contract handed out just now. Uh, Colton Pareko has signed a eight-year contract extension with the St. Louis Blues at 6.5 AAV. Now, what's fascinating is I think a lot of people were looking at next year's free agent class. You know, Seth Jones was supposed to be in there, and Colton Pareko maybe was supposed to be in there. And now you're just thinking, oh, some names are dwindling very fast, and more importantly, players are choosing some security here. 
And, you know, I, I get it. Players, if you have a chance at, what, 50-some-odd million dollars, what are you going to say? No? No. You're probably going to take you, it. You, of course you're going to take it. In what world did Colton Pareko growing up think he'd be making $52 million? You know. Thank you for that quick math. Yes. 52 But, you know, look, there was a scenario where it was going to be Jones and Pareko were the two studs. Yes. And, you know, Pareko, awesome in 2019 when they won the Stanley Cup. Just awesome. I thought he, Petrangelo, you, you see, you love the Twin Towers. Don't they were on the same pairing together, but you see these guys, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's what defense looks like. And he's had his ups and downs uh, kind of since then. I still think he's a uh, under optimum circumstances, fans in the building, all this sort of stuff, your regular hockey lifestyle, one of the least discussed D-men uh, in, uh, across the league. And, and, and kind of sneakily, like a Team Canada candidate as well. Yeah, and isn't that kind of like the top O-lineman on, on a football right. team? that when, you, when you're talking about an O-lineman, it's probably not a good thing. But when they just go about their business, you're like, wow, the quarterback never got hit from that side all day <laughs> because that O-lineman. Pareko in that regard. But Bic, are you not a little surprised? Hey, St. Louis is where he wants to be. He wants to get the $52 million. But knowing what defensemen were going for this offseason. I look at that and go, that's a really good deal. And again, a deal has to work both ways for both parties to be happy and all that sort of stuff. But if I'm him, man, I guess you get the security and, and the eight years and, and the, the, the total money. And you've talked about this before, agents who say, like, listen, mm-hmm. we're looking for a, a total number. And if we have to stretch that out a year or two as, as the player gets ages and, and maybe doesn't age as well, that that's fine. But I don't know. He might have got a lot more money had he waited and, and tested things uh, next year. What's funny about that, that whole conversation, when we do this all the time, hey, Nathan McKinnon makes this, Sasha Barkov makes this, they can't be thrilled. Well, guess what, man? Like, they signed the contract. Ultimately, like, yeah, you want more money, of course, but you're the one that signed the contract. And if you are happy in that scenario, yes, I can sit here and say you could have earned more and all this sort of stuff. If you're happy, good for you. Colton Pareko. If you're just thrilled to be in St. Louis and you're looking at this like, you know what? I'll be 37 years old. I love this city. And players speak glowingly about playing in St. Louis. It's always weird to me sometimes. We don't think of St. Louis as this great hockey town. Yep. But we don't think about it as a bona fide hockey city. We think Cardinals, right? And Rams back in the day and all that sort of stuff. Cheap real estate. Yeah. But like mansions for, you know, what we would pay for houses here. So yeah. It speaks a lot about the retention in St. Louis that guys. Yeah, a lot of guys stay there. End up there Ex and Blues, stay there. You know, Jeff Brown, Kachuk, his kids went through there. Like they, you're right. They they go to the Midwest, and it's it's not California, it's not New York, it's not Miami, but yeah, they stay there because of the lifestyle and what it is. A guy that uh, I think a lot of Canucks fans uh, before this offseason would have looked at and say, "Boy, I really hope that's someone we can get invested in." Now they, you know, Canucks have played their cards quite a bit here. The team that you have right now is probably going to look similar to the team you have next season, maybe even the season thereafter. You can make a couple of subtle changes on, unless you're making a big trade, like a JT Miller goes out or something like that, or a Besser or Horvat yep. with their UFA years coming up. Unless something big like that happens, this is kind of the team you're going to have to learn to love, whether they have success or not. It's These are the guys. And so uh, a massive signing. That's, uh, that's huge. $52 million. Good for him, good for him. Uh, and, and and suddenly the names on the uh, the UFA market uh, next year start to dwindle. You know, Ryan Pulak's still going to be there, uh, which is kind of interesting. 
Um, I don't know, P.K. Subban, are you still interested in that? Mark Giordano, are you still interested in that? Not really. Morgan Riley. Yeah, the, you're right. The, the The names are dwindling. dwindling though there will be people there that you can look after, and, and Riley would be a guy that I would expect would get a lot of interest. The other two, uh, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bick Nassar, Craig McEwen, Bick and the boss. Sorry, Emily. Uh we do it one one twenty every day here on Bick and the Boss, and it's don't at me. Don't at me, C Mac. Yes. Mark Davis, Las Vegas Raiders owner, uh, is gonna regret his home more than the stadium he built. It for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of looking at the the designs that that are out there. Oh brother. It it looks doesn't it look like a control tower or YVR? Yeah, it, it looks like an airport. That's 100% what it looks like. Uh it, it's up on the review journal in uh, Vegas where you just go to Twitter or just search it. Uh it it looks either like a Bond villain's home which hey lean into it. you're the raiders death star that, mean, that stadium yes the pirate with the eye patch and the swords all that sort of stuff it lo- it looks like some sort of evil headquarters but look i i i i'm not a luxury homeowner i'm not a a rich person i i i'm sure there's amenities to this that are going to be a lot more functional but i can't imagine like black steel and a lot of glass is a good idea in nevada Oh, I'm sure it's tinted. The the blinds drop down slowly. He, he claps and yes. the temperature cools down to 14 degrees or something like that. But what's the garage? Like 50? The garage alone, t- man, talk about uh, tough real estate in Vancouver. The garage alone is 5,400 square feet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 10 of my apartments. <laughs> and I wonder what he's parking there. Maybe it's an airplane. He has an yeah. airstrip out there. That's 15, why it looks like 15,000 square foot home. It look, this looks like out of like Tony Montana. Hey, as a Raiders fan, would he please just worry about the football team and maybe his quarterback? Well, I was gonna ask, are you not annoyed by this? Because this looks like a marvelous home, uh, valued at fourteen million dollars. They've, are, they've are got cash problems. They, they, they're executives fleeing right, left, and center. Like you know, put your priorities in now, order. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he is and one get of a, the least wealthiest NFL owners yes, as well. And get a better haircut. Yeah, it, you, man, you can afford the statues and pools that cover the whole estate. You can't get a pass rush? Anything? A linebacker? Anything? Yeah. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, keep your thoughts coming in with don't at me. Uh, don't at me. The, the, there should be – the winds of change should be blowing. Never mind a name change. How about a host change is in order? I guess that's for with, me because we're, we're talking about the, the, the name. With all sorts of emojis. An, an, an angel head emoji, a peace sign, a uh, – what is that? Monocle emoji? Yep. Is that broccoli? Like, what is that? Something like that. I, All right. They, they're wishing upon a star that uh, I, I'm I'm out of here. Uh, and and minor Matt in Abbotsford? Yeah, this was uh, going out there, yeah. Yeah. You want to take this one? or you? Want, yeah, you sure. Yeah. Uh, don't at me. Out of all the titles, Bic Baby, this is uh, minor Matt's uh, uh, term for me, uh, is held at Sportsnet 650. The head of meth- methodology. methodology is his favorite. Thank you. Uh, one could say he's the method to C-Max madness if Bic wasn't always MIA. Hey, now. Uh, the parking lot fiasco would have never happened. Sorry, not sorry for Emily uh, in Minor Matt. Again, we're we're going to not do that 
I have been a self-proclaimed uh, glue guy here at the station. You so. have. You you have done it all. And and Josh Elliott Wolf's doing great work. Roger Sugar. You guys are all holding this together. I, I I I couldn't get it done without you. And so yeah, I, I go away and all hell breaks loose. Never uh, again. Never again. Bo and Burnaby saying, Don't at me. Forget the host change. We need a name change. Bick and the programming director has a nice ring to it. <laughs> Uh, don't at me, Mike and Victoria, but I'm tired of no one having faith uh, in the Vancouver Canucks uh, are still being... Wait, hang on. Uh, no one having faith that the Vancouver Canucks are still being referred to as a maybe playoff team. So Mike's uh, on the bandwagon, it, uh, it it appears. Sorry, I didn't say on the bandwagon. Mike's throwing his support behind the team. It is election season, so he's throwing his uh, his endorsement behind the team. Yeah, I'm right there with him. I believe they're a playoff team and they're improved from last year but again injuries a long season we'll have to see how it all plays out but not being in in one canadian division playing the same team over and over and over and over again we'll we'll see how they react uh we'll get into some of your more thoughts as well i do want to preview some of the nfl and talk about those las vegas raiders and the in that division with the kansas city chiefs and the la chargers but now Kind of got held up with some some good text there. Definitely want to talk about that gold medal game last night. Big win for Team Canada. The summer of Canadian women continues. Canada wins gold in soccer at the Olympics, wins gold last night in hockey at the World Championships. We'll get into that conversation coming up here on Bick and the Boss, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You're listening to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Give yourself the Avenue advantage and stay under the cap by saving thousands on select Kubota skid steers and excavators. Visit avenuemachinery.ca. It's an interesting rendition of uh, Reunited. It feels so good. Not quite? No, not quite. Not the one I remember. Not quite Peaches and Herb, this one. No. Hate to say I told you so. Oh, who's saying I told you so? I don't know. But I, there's a certain car that ended up in my parking spot earlier today that I won't are, mention. Are, are we doing parking spot fiasco? No, we're not. We're, Look, we're staying away from it. <laughs> I've been, away. you know, very uh, considerate. and you're, you're a transit guy. You're good for the environment. Well, uh, you're, you're, you're Just in general, yes, like yes. during this pandemic, I've been, uh, you know, safe and haven't come into work. Been doing the show from home. I guess I have to come in all the time. There's parking spot drama all over again. I come from Delta, so we won't have a new tunnel until like... 2062 or something. I have to drive in. Greg's going to be uh, mad in, in 2034 when it's like, what is happening? Vic, get out of my spot, man. I I need the one that's you know facing east because the feng shui of my parking spot really sets me up to uh, have success in my shift. All right, enough of the parking. <laughs> Let's get on to something uh, bigger, better, and shinier. Shinier, gold medals, baby. Gold medals once again for Canada on the ice. Uh, Canadian women last night rallying, resilient, and quite frankly, uh, dominant from second period onwards. Uh, I'll admit uh, I was in in transit, and so I I was a bit late to the first period, but, you know, you flip it on, and like, oh, boy, it's a bit late, and I had to change venues. I had to run downstairs to the bar, and I was like – Need a new locale. And then you start watching the second period on. It's like, you can just kind of see it shift. Yeah. 
by shift. And not that, you know, hockey is a territory game where it's like, hey, you know, football, punt for field position, all that sort of stuff. But it felt like they were gaining an inch up the ice every shift. And eventually you just knew, hey, it feels like a goal is coming. I tweeted yesterday, hey, I've watched enough hockey to know you blow a lot of power plays in a tie game, you're going to lose it. When you're up 2 nothing. And look, most dangerous lead in hockey, all that sort of stuff. But generally speaking, if, if you have a 2 nothing lead, you're going to win the game. But there are times when you can kind of see it coming. Especially championship games. Leaders on a team. Star players. Kind of slowly moving up the ice. Just that four check all over the place. Getting their chances. And then the first one goes in. You think, game on. It wasn't just, oh, now they got to protect make sure the United States don't get the third one. This was like... They'll take this game. They'll absolutely take this game. They just got to get that next one. And then 2-2. Two, two, I thought, over. Done and dusted. At that stage, America mentally are probably just thinking, hey, we've owned Canada for some time here. We're up 2 nothing. Even at 2-2, two, two, it's like, maybe. But you could kind of sense that it had gone for them. But the penalties kind of kept them hanging around in that third period. But so impressed with that performance last night. Yeah, the drive, the determination, and dictating the play, as you said. That was really impressive in the sense that you mentioned it there. The U.S. had owned this tournament recently. You know, Canada has won more world championships, but that success came, you know, a while back. The U.S. has been very difficult for yep. Canada to beat. And how many times do you see in a tournament like this, you win the, the round robin game and then the other team comes back and exacts some revenge. And when the U.S. is up 2 nothing, by all accounts, this Team Canada team was sprinkled in with veterans and some younger players who added an edge and energy energy moxie and and probably you know ignorance is bliss they didn't know what they're getting into so they didn't back down they didn't they didn't know any different so they didn't have the baggage of some team canada players of the past perhaps it saw the losses but in this game you mentioned leaders and by all accounts reading the stuff after hearing the post game comments it was the veterans of the group who said, hey, listen, we're okay. We're here. Yeah, we're down a couple, but we still have this. Stick to the plan. Stick to the pace. Push the tempo. Get in their grill. Be determined and dog it after the puck. And that, to me, spoke volumes because up until this point, as I said, this probably would have been a game that Canada would have gone on to lose. And, hey, the, the U.S. is a very good country. This is the best rivalry in hockey, the, the top two teams. But to see them do that, the only thing – that spoiled it for me was the the winning goal they weren't able to celebrate in the moment <laughs> I mean think of Crosby here yelling for Iggy in the corner the the golden goal and he goes in and they don't know if it went in and the play continued that moment or that instantaneous eruption they kind of thought it was in Poulin thought it was in yeah it was in but until the buzzer sounded and the elation happened that's the only thing that kind of ruined it for me I guess Better that they get to celebrate than not. Sure. But had it happened in the moment, that to me would have been oh, oh so better than what, what transpired. But hey, they didn't necessarily see it. Goalie knew it was in. The shooter knew it was, it was in. It's the just goalie, too bad it didn't happen. Like the reaction by the goalie to me told everything. Yes. Very slow to get up. It's like, oh, here we go. And, and heady play by a defenseman or playing defense, you know, scooping it out. And just carrying on. Because it, it bounced just in. And you just carry on and keep playing, right? Yeah. And suddenly it's like, oh, oh, oh. But look, I, I was surrounded by people at a bar. 
uh, all distance and all that sort of stuff. But it's like, oh, yeah! And then, like, you start looking at other people to react and, like, see what their emotions are right now. And then you turn back up. It's like, hey, why are they going back the other way? What's going on here? No, no, no. I sworn that was a, an awesome snipe. I saw it go top corner. Uh, Marie Poulin, just awesome shot. Unreal. Yeah. We say, you know, they rip it or the, the like, she, what a shot. Sniped it. Whatever you want to use that cliche. That was a snipe. That That's the definition of a snipe if you look it up in the dictionary. Up yeah. quick, in the <sighs> perfect spot. Just. But to your point. You could sense it was coming. To your point mm-hmm. about the the way Canada played and didn't back down and, and kept their foot on the pedal, there was, I don't want to say a lack of respect, but there was no fear on that Canadian side. They were not going to be intimidated by who they were playing, and they showed that. And that maybe speaks to how well they played in that round-robin game, even without their best leader. The fact of the matter is is that they, they didn't back down then, and they weren't backing down now. Well, think with all those penalties, like how easy it would be to crumble. Yeah. Right? Because you're taking penalty after penalty after penalty. We, we can have a conversation about the officiating and all that sort of stuff in just a second. But there were some penalties, and you're thinking, this is how seasons end. This is how tournaments come to disaster. And in the moment, like, that's for us fans to think about that. Let alone the players thinking, really, we're on penalty kill again? I got to step out there. I got to block another shot again? And I'm trying to just kind of think back to last night. I didn't do like a rewatch or anything. But there weren't a lot of moments when I thought, oh, they're getting overwhelmed on the penalty kill. Nope. It was, yeah, steward task, steward job, sort it out, and get back on five and five. Okay, we took another penalty. Yeah, no big deal. Then there was the odd chance, you know, like a puck, uh, net front scramble or something like that. Most of it was in control. And that, to me, was like such a testament of from where that game started to where it was ending. And that's why I just thought, it's like, you missed that many power plays mentally. Not that you're checked out, but like that's a blow. And and how do you stay engaged? How do you stay in the moment? And then you open it up three on three. Anything can happen, obviously. It's it's a coin flip at that stage. But it, it never felt like, once, once Canada got the first one, it never felt like the women were going to lose that game. No. And Poulin summed it up best when she said the team showed up tonight and that this had been a long time coming. But mentally, physically strong, great on the ice, great on their skates, did everything they do. But mentally, the fortitude, to your point, of of have a little setback after a little setback after a little setback with penalties and just not change the way you're doing No things. fear. Yeah, Fear is a great word for it. It's just no fear, unfazed that Hey, task at hand is kill this penalty. And, you know, I think we forget about that sometimes of in sports in general, like staying in the game. Yes. Just, hey, look, we're, we're in a tough spot. Let's just survive these two minutes. And then, and then we can react and renew our focus and see what we have to accomplish in two minutes. All right, well, you kill that penalty. Okay, another one. Hey, just, just survive. Stay in the moment. And you, you wait for an opportunity Look, your opposition is going to win sometimes, but how do you make the best of a, of a situation? So, you know, the Americans had their advantages, but you make the best of it. Rally here and make it difficult for them. And, and eventually, your, your chance comes up and Poulin buries it. Now, they had the post earlier as well and all that sort of, all that sort of stuff. Um, but isn't that what championship teams do? Good teams, yeah. you know, find a way to hang around and then maybe don't win. But championship teams find a way to get through that adversity to control what they can control. And that's a testament to the way this team was put together 
from the roster and also the way they were coached and also just the mindset from start to finish in this tournament that they just were not going to be denied. And that is great to see because, as mentioned before, the United States powerhouse, they had won, you know, eight of nine world championships. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was just ridiculous how dominant they've been. Now this just sets the stage for the Olympics and uh, – you would hope, you know, momentum won't carry, but that mindset will carry over for Canada as they get ready to, to go to the next Winter Olympics. Um, you know, what's, what's interesting, too, is we've seen so many overtime between these two nations, these two very, very strong teams, and they're going to trade results moving forward as well. They're going to have success at the international level. But there's so many iterations of this now, and somehow I'm not tired of it. No, neither am I. Right? Like, we were thinking, it's like, hey, maybe Finland can get a chance. Like, we did a preview before the tournament started. It's like, Switzerland, who else can jump in? It's like, well, it is going to be the Americans in the U- in, in Canada, but can someone else surprise? But every game has, like, this new layer to it. And the, 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 the competition is so high. Like, I, I, I'm enthralled by it. Well, I mean, I'm older than you, but is it not... I, I like on picked the, up on it on the men's side, Canada, Russia, like the, right, the, that yeah. that that matchup that you would never get tired. Yeah, it was great to see the states, and who knows now? There's so much more parity in the hockey world, but but back then, Canada versus Russia in the men's, whether it's the the Olympics, whether it was the the World Cup of Hockey, whether it was the juniors, Canada, Russia was kind of the thing that you wanted to see. The Summit Series, the seventy two. Uh, 87, all that sort of stuff. And in this case, yeah, I don't get tired of the Canada-US matchup because the intensity and ferocity at which they played was just captivating. It it held the imagination of of what I thought it could be, and it delivered on so many different levels. And and hats off to, to both countries, but, you know, hats off really to Canada to find a way. Hats off to Turnbull as well, uh, coming back on. Yes. <laughs> that was a moment, huh? That was awesome. That that was great. Out Just on the arms extended, together. stretcher, don't care. Want my medal, want to party with my friends, want to sing the anthem. And you talk about images that stand out now. Okay, so there wasn't the, the gold medal and you think of Crosby in the corner and you're jumping up and down. That image is burned in my head. Okay, was there an on-ice moment last night? Maybe not because play Raw, continued. Raw because the play continued, but yes. It but that moment it. of her yes. coming out of the dressing room on, on the stretcher, just like arms raised, big smile. That like that's what I'll remember from yesterday. Totally agree with you. That is the signature. If 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 you think back to this tournament, yeah, the goal was outstanding. And again, I believe we were all robbed of kind of that instantaneous mm-hmm. celebration. Got Diving into the corner, jumping yeah. into the glass, Gloves everyone off, rushing, everyone yeah. rushing. Eventually, you get there. But yeah, seeing her come out on the stretcher to get her medal that that was powerful. That was that that showed to me that togetherness of that group too that that she's obviously in a lot of pain mm-hmm. but she wants to be out there with her team she wants to be able to celebrate with them and 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 have that that moment as well i was, I was trying to think of a, a stanley cup idea is like if someone's on the stretcher well the bobby bond broken leg back right. in the day or whatever but yeah you're right what what, what would be the, the do, like do you shepherd them on the stretcher with them holding the cup up or like what happens in that scenario haven't seen it don't you know, know that we will. You got to do your lap. True. Uh, 650, 650, keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, again, awesome game last night. 
uh, and really, really glad to uh, see it the way, turn out the way it did. Win or lose, great effort by Team Canada, but it uh, it feels a oh, little it's bit better, better, better when you win. It's, it's better so when much better win. when you win. It's uh, it, it would have been a, an awesome effort, and we would have praised them no matter what. Uh, but uh, certainly, uh, the way it ended was fantastic for the Canadian women. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen here on Sportsnet 650, home of the Canucks. Uh, Michael Doyle was on the station last night on the People's Show. Uh, new president of uh, the Vancouver Canucks. And look, a, a lot of questions are starting to arise. What's going to be happening? Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, text coming in from Rager. Uh, Vladimir Konstantinov uh, with the cup with the Red Wings. Absolutely. I forgot all about that. Yes. Yes. Great one. Great, great reference. Thank, thank you. Thank Very you, good. Rager. Um, so Michael Doyle was on the station last night. Uh, you know, a lot of people getting ready for the upcoming season. A lot of excitement, obviously. We talk about it every day. People want to get back into the rink and show their support for the team. Or boo, if you feel so inclined. Uh, here's what uh, Michael Doyle had to say on uh, possible full capacity uh, for the arena this upcoming season. So I I hope we're going to have full capacity. Obviously, Bonnie Henry uh, a couple of weeks ago announced that she was going to move the date of September 7th, that, that we were going to see the opportunity to full capacity. I I, I hope we do, and, and hopefully if we can get the numbers down, I think we'll be, um, and with the, um, the fully vaccinated uh, um, requirements to get into the building, I, I hope we do. So hope for full full building. And we've had this conversation about these are private businesses that want to maximize revenue. Just like every other business has had their opportunity to restart. What do you have to do to maximize revenue? And especially in a league that has been hurt by this. We know how much money comes from the Canadian markets and understandably so. Hey, precautions were made, bubbles were created and... Certain travel requirements to play in this Canadian division, no fans. We didn't see it till you know Bell Center, in, in in the playoffs. But these teams are going to make decisions based on maximizing revenue. As much as it's sport, and and you want everyone to be a part of it, but you need to make the right precautions to ensure safety, not just for players but for uh, fans as well. And how do you do so to maximize revenue? Yeah, and, it, it's a different, difficult balance yeah. when you think about it because, you know, our company, for example, we make plans to do X and then all of a sudden something changes in the world and now you're on to plan B. And I can honestly say we're probably on to plan G, E, F. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's so frustrating for all of us in our lives, but you're seeing it with other businesses, not just the hockey team. But you're right, safety first and they will work with the government. But how big would it be to see you know, close to capacity because that was the one thing Bic, that really caught my attention in watching the Stanley cup playoffs this, this past year, Montreal was great. It was, it was good to see some fans there. It seemed pretty loud, but those packed buildings down in the States where you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. How much better the game seemed or how much more exciting. And the hope being here in Vancouver, that the same thing can happen with a lot of people in there, but yeah, they're, they're going to have to make sure they navigate this pandemic and, Again, the frustrating thing for businesses, for fans, for players, everyone, it, it just it doesn't have a game plan or a pattern. It, it, it can morph and move in other directions, and you have to be flexible. And also with uh, 
the idea of okay entry into the building uh michael doyle did talk about you know working with the government on on the whole vaccine card issue as well yeah so our our last couple of months has been working closely with the uh, local government uh the bc government on on how we do this in in a way that keeps everyone safe and and obviously, our, our goal would be to get fans back in the arena, 18,700 fans back into Rogers Arena. And, and so our, our number one thing is how do we do it safely and, and in a way that, uh, that gives fans that uh, assurance and the security that they're going to enjoy the game, but also uh, do it safely. Um, really, the number one thing we've been working on them with is, is this uh, passport type uh, proof of vaccination that they will have uh, to be able to show at the entrance to Rogers Arena to to enter the um, to enter the game or concert or whatever event they're coming to or to Abbotsford Arena. That is uh, Michael Doyle, uh, president of the Vancouver Canucks. You can check out the full interview on the People's Show show page online at Sportsnet six fifty or Sportsnet.ca slash six fifty, and just go to the People's Show. Uh, and it, look, I, I'm interested to see what type of capacity we get. You know what the, the, the draw of the Canucks and people are going to want to flood the building. I, I get that to some degree, but I'm curious. Like I just got a message here from a different Craig, but uh, a Craig nonetheless. Uh, I've, I have no interest in being stuck in those tight concourses. It has nothing to do with the sports. It's it just a reality scenario, and, and you can provide uh, the right steps for everyone. Different people are going to have different thresholds for their own safety and for their own comfort of what they can and are willing to do yeah and that level of comfort is something that the canucks and other organizations will take into consideration because you're right when you're on the concourse and it's busy and everyone's lined up and you're trying to fight your way through to to find your buddy we'll meet in section whatever and in that snake channel yep. duck dive push up yeah people don't want to be that close the five right? d's duck dodge dive yeah it, it's it's a challenge to get somewhere in the intermissions or the breaks. And and I'm not so sure how you navigate that because outside of the revenue of getting the tickets, they're going to want to sell popcorn, hot dogs, all that sort of stuff. So bottom line, we are all navigating this and finding what we feel we are able to do, what we feel that, hey, this is safe for me. And that equation and math is, is awfully difficult to add up when the, the calculations keep changing. Uh, Bick Nazar and Craig McEwen here. A lot of money spent uh, in the NHL today, not just Colton Pareko, what we were talking about earlier. I had a, a question coming in about Pareko and Quinn Hughes numbers. We'll, we'll expand on that conversation. But also the Islanders dropped a ton of money uh, yes, uh, today uh, because they they had a lot of business to do. Yes. And they uh, they solved a lot of family business today. We were the... waiting for Lou to do something. Yeah. So Lou uh, dropped a ton of cash. And uh, we'll talk to Molly Walker uh, from the island. And Rager texting in big, small correction. President of Canucks and Sports and Entertainment. Yes, uh, absolutely, for Michael Doyle. Not to the, the hockey operations. So thank you, Rager, for your text. Rager's on it today. Rager's on, uh, always on it. Always on it. Our texters don't realize how uh, sharp and valuable they are to our shows. Uh, 650-650, keep your thoughts coming in. We'll be back in a flash. Bick Nazar and Craig McEwen, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Now back. 
back to Bick and the Boss on the official home of the Canucks. Tiki Pete comes out of the box and puts the puck into the back of the net. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Bick and the Boss. Dick Nazar, Craig McEwen, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Thanks for making us part of your afternoon. You can chime in 650-650 onto the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street or in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A lot of interaction coming into the 650-650 inbox. Uh, a late uh, don't at me. I uh, wanted to read from uh, Minor Matt. I like the design of uh, Mark Davis's new house. It looks like the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> it looks like an airport. Yes. Which, hey, look, you got the money to do it? Do what you want to do. But uh, it looks like an airport. I, I, I feel like it, it, it is the type of house that matches the dude's haircut. Not not necessarily the best uh, uh, follicle sense. Functional, I guess, on some levels. Could be, but yeah, his haircut is is not great. And listen, who are we to talk about hair? But man, oh man, like I have some bad pictures of me as as a young child. My mom with the bowl out doing the bowl cut. Like the bowl cut went out when you're about in grade three. When you was that your worst haircut? Oh yeah, by far the 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 bowl cut pictures I had, and and then it went from the bowl cut to kind of the. You know when you carve a pumpkin, you want to put it on your head, so it's like that square kind of. You did that. Bad, bad. So like, like you were the Archie. Yep. Yeah. That's rough. Uh, I once tried to do a mohawk. Uh, Actually, sorry, not a mohawk. Uh, Okay, remember when David Beckham had that haircut? Yeah, the faux hawk or whatever, or the uh, the Uh, Mohican. I think is what they called it in uh, in England. They put it on the uh, the the tabloids. You tried to do the Beckham. I tried to do the Beckham. Look, I'm a massive Man United fan. Which, by the way. Ooh, the last 10 days have been awesome. The, the last five have been unreal with uh, Ronaldo coming back to Manchester United. And he, and he scored a goal uh, just earlier moments ago, uh, number 110. So it, it's been a great. But, yeah, th- th- that was by far probably my worst look. And I, I only did it for a day, uh, a half mohawk. And I was like, you know what? Not for me. Not for me. Just shave it off. Uh, enough of our worst hairstyles. Uh, let's bring in Molly Walker now. The Islanders have been spending like crazy today. We've been waiting for them to uh, finally open up the the checkbook, but uh, they finally do. Molly Walker now joins us covering the Islanders, the Rangers, everything New York uh, forward into the New York Post. Molly, how are you today? I'm great. I'm kind of jealous I missed the hair conversation, but happy to talk Islanders instead. Well, hang on. We can put a pause in that. We were just discussing our, our, our worst hairstyles that we've ever had. Now that you've invited yourself into the conversation, what was yours? Uh, I got to say, all throughout high school and going to my first two years of college, my hair was like down to my butt, like really long, like mermaid style long. And I look back at it and I always say to my friends, like, why didn't you tell me to cut it? You know, like it was just way too long. But I'm sure you guys have some Justin Bieber hairstyles in there. So that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about mine. <laughs> yeah, mine was my mom got out the bowl and just like around in the, the, the we were, Aww. we started this with Mark Davis and how bad his haircut is. But yeah, that, that, Sorry, that was reminiscent of what I had to live through. The friends telling you is key. It's like, if I got a piece of cilantro in my teeth, like I want my friends, I've told my friends, it's like, hey, tell me if I'm doing something right? wrong. Right? Just let me know. Yeah. 
I, my appearance is a, is a reflection of my friends too. So hey, <laughs> help yourself out. Uh, so we did want to talk about the Islanders. A lot of money spent today, Molly. It, it's yes. uh, you know we we knew at, at some point this was coming for the Islanders. I didn't realize it would be all at once on one day here on September 1st, but uh, it's 4 by 5 for Kyle Palmieri, 3 by 4.15 for Bovillier. Sorokin gets a nice contract at $4 million for three years. And Casey Zizekas gets six years at $2.5 million. Uh, are you surprised this all came at once? No, honestly. I think that obviously it's a little unconventional that Lou was keeping all his cards close to his chest and we hadn't heard a peep out of them for, for weeks on end. So I kind of figured that once it started trending in that direction, I kind of assumed that it was going to come all at once, like an avalanche like this. I couldn't tell you that it was going to be all on the same day, but I did expect it to kind of to kind of pour out like this uh, probably toward the end of the off season. So I guess I was right in that regard. <laughs> I know Lou does Lou, and he he has a certain way of running his organization, doing things. And, and you mentioned, yeah, you're waiting for the avalanche to come. But what is the the reason, do you think, for, for waiting like this and, and not spreading it out? Is it making a huge splash for the fans as opposed to one by one by one by one? Because, again, don't tell Lou what to do. He'll tell you what to do. <laughs> That's true. You know, I think if I had to guess, I think that the Islanders were one of the one of many teams that were very pressed against the cap just to begin with this offseason. So just that simple fact, he probably didn't want other general managers knowing where he was around the cap so that they could have leverage over him, which is very strategic, you know, that's looking pretty far into it, but it's tr- it's strategy. And, and that's how Lou wanted to go about it. And honestly, I don't blame him any, anything to, you know, keep a negotiating advantage, but that's also what makes me think that he's probably not done. I, I don't think that, I think he, they're, they could be moving another contract, especially to acquire a left-handed defenseman. But I think that he really just wanted wiggle room almost, so that other people that he was negotiating with and talking with didn't know where he was. Molly Walker from the New York Post joining us. Uh, So, you know, what's interesting to me is obviously with the expansion draft, we kind of, you know, who you protect, you kind of declare what what you're trying to do. The six years for Casey Sezikis really kind of surprised me. And I know they, look, they value their grinders and all that sort of stuff. Was it necessary to go this long for uh, Casey Sezikis? I think that it was a good compromise because um, if you look at it, it's pretty good for both sides. Sezikis wanted term, obviously, as we heard from him today. He wants to retire an Islander. He's an Islander for life. He wants to die as an Islander. That is literally verbatim what he said today. So it was clearly very important to him to get uh, some security uh, long term with the team. But the $2.5 million cap it is pretty manageable. And if you compare it to other deals, similar, similar players have gotten like how the Rangers gave Barkley Goudreau a six-year deal with a 3.6-ish million cap hit you know it's a solid deal for how vital Sezikis is to the Islanders and that fourth identity line it was kind of clear that when they protected Martin and Clutterbuck in the expansion draft that that was a priority keeping that line together which it is that line you know it's such a cliche but that's their motor line that's really it's an intangible sort of description to give that line what they mean to that team. So it, it, it worked well for both sides, I think. It wasn't surprising that he got that big of a deal because they, they want him around for, you know, as long as he wants to be around, clearly. Kyle Palmieri, a, a big 
splash at the deadline and, and had a very solid postseason for the Islanders. Is that why they're reinvesting in him so heavily? I think that Palmieri is a great fit with the Islanders. Uh, you know, Lou likes to bring in the players that he's familiar with for this very reason. You know, the right fit is a very, you know, big point of emphasis for Lamorello. And I think that Palmieri, from the beginning, just from their days with the Devils, he knows what kind of player he is. And he was very comfortable bringing him into the locker room. And he came alive in the playoffs. Seven goals, two assists, 19 games. And he now is also an option for the top line in replacement of Jordan Everly next to Lee and Barzell. But he also could be too similar of a player to, to Lee with their net front presence. So he might be a better option on the third next to Pajot or Parisi or Zajac, whoever it ends up being. But Palmieri really solidifies an experienced group of forwards. And I think that was a really uh, big selling point for Lamorello as well. So what's next for uh, the Islanders? You know, they spend all this money today. You know, we've all been waiting for Parise. Uh, what is the next move for uh, the Islanders? Or, or is this business concluded, uh, considering how close they are up against the cap? Yes, yeah, so I saw Michael Russo just reported he spoke to Parise, and, and that's a deal that is imminent. It's It's been in the hopper. It's been a done deal. So it's just a matter of actually announcing it officially, which, again, I think it, it's all coming down to Lamorello navigating the cap now i believe they're 3.73 million over the cap um and but that's before boychuk six million will go to the ltir at at the season start which will give them i think just over 2.2 million of room to breathe so i think that they'll probably need to either shed another contract uh to get a they need a left-handed defenseman that's really the last uh area that they need to address um, with Nick Letty's trade to Detroit. Hmm. So it's probably going to have to be a cheaper option um, because of how pressed they are against the Cavs. So I expect, expect the Parisi deal to come out and then for a left-handed defenseman uh, to come onto the scene. So we'll see how it unfolds. And once that unfolds, what are the expectations with the Islanders? You know, so close, good good team, solid playoff performances, you know, cup or bust, where, where's the mindset with them and, and what do you think is reasonable to expect this coming year? I would say it's closer to cup or bust, that's for sure. I think that they're in it for the long haul and whenever we speak to the players, you know, it's very telling, especially for me coming from Dites. I also talk to the Rangers and the Islanders, so the Rangers don't even mention the Stanley Cup. You know, they don't even, it's not even a topic of conversation because they know that they're pretty far away from that. They all, they're, they've talked a lot about the playoffs, the postseason. The Islanders have now come so painstakingly close to the Stanley Cup final series two years in a row that it is, that's all that they can think of. They've, they've gotten so close. They could basically, basically taste it. So it's definitely there. They're gunning for the cup. That's what, that's what they're going to do. Hey, really quickly, does the mentality of the organization, uh, you know, cause we thought about some of those moves of, of Pajot. It's like, okay, here's this big contract you're handing out and you see his value in the playoffs. And, and, Time and time again, there's been these question marks of, well, why are you making this move and it's worked out? And why are you making this move? E- even me, just moments ago, you know, Sezika, six years, and it's it's worked out. Do they almost kind of embrace that of people questioning their moves as kind of being that perennial underdog? Be like, hey, they don't believe in you and they don't believe in us. And <laughs> it somehow works in their favor. You know, that's an interesting point of view. I think that that entire organization from top to bottom is so secure in their identity, which I think is something that not a lot of teams can say, but the Islanders 
are so bought in to what Lamorello and Barry Trotz have brought into the organization and, and the picture that they have for what the team and the franchise can be going forward. And you could just, it's, it's something really intangible that you can't, that is very hard to find in other teams or hard to develop, hard to, you know, bring that kind of culture in, but it's something very unique and very special what they have going over there on Long Island. I really do have to say, and it's, and it is a mentality thing. It is how, you know, everybody's pulling on the rope. That's what Barry Trotz likes to say. Everybody's pulling in one direction and it really does have that sort of feel uh, just talking to everybody in the organization. It's really, they're all pulling in one direction and they all are very bought into what uh, Lamorello and Trotz have done there so far. She is the uh, great Molly Walker. You can follow her on Twitter, uh, Molly Walker, uh, two E's and two R's uh, for you uh, Twitter fans. Uh, So Molly, thanks a lot for giving us some time here and uh, we'll talk to you soon. For sure. Thanks so much for having me on. Molly Walker from the New York Post Sports. What a fascinating team. Yeah. Secure in your identity. It's it's so very important. Massive. I, I wish I was secure in my identity when I got a bowl cut as a kid. I wasn't. That's why I became a hat guy? That's right. And and lost all my hair. But yeah, that idea and again, Lou Lamorello, like him or not, you know, he he's successful. He has a way of doing things. It doesn't always mix or jive with everyone, but he seems to find those people or players that, that work within his system that, that know the Lamorello way and, and will follow what he wants and how he wants it to get done. And recently they, they've been a pretty darn good hockey team. I, I, yeah, I do think about that uh, a lot of, not that I dislike some of the players that they've acquired, but we talk about price point and contract and is this the right move that they've done here? But, well, they've had a lot of success here. Now, not the promised land of you know being in the finals and all this sort of stuff, but I, I, I imagine some fans would, would trade some of their seasons, of not just Canucks fans, just in general, for their level of success. You know, round two, round three. They've had this incremental progression constantly. And when you're always competitive, you're giving yourself moments. You're giving yourself chances. And I kind of in general, favor towards staying power, longevity. Yes. Right? Now, look, I I understand sometimes that doesn't come with championships. I always marveled at the Buffalo Bills losing four in a row because it's so hard to get to one Super Bowl, let alone four, let alone four in a row. And look, heartbreaking losses and all that sort of stuff, But and and they're rightfully at the butt end of some jokes. But you kind of step back and you look at it and it's like, man, four championship tries. That is unbelievable. You should wish to have that as a sports fan, to have that level of competency for your, for your organization, that level of competitive success to get there over and over and over again. You know, the, the Blues had their playoff streak. The, the, the Red Wings had their playoff streak. Just constantly, maybe never getting over the hurdle, but always involved, always giving you hope, uh, training camp coming around and you're excited for the season you, you can't say that here locally to say you know sometimes we come into a season and I'm thinking boy at what point are we going to start talking prospects like that that happens it does and again the the Canucks had a, a good run in the uh you know mid to late mm-hmm. 2000s into you know, 2011 2012 all that sort of stuff but it, Molly said there about the the 
identity and that look at their head coach on Long Island and how he plays and how he wants them to play. They know from top to bottom what, you know, I hate the term the Islander way or the Canucks way, but in essence, there is a way that they want to play, how they want to do things. It leads to success. It leads to opportunity for that success. And yeah, as a fan, that's exactly what you want. You want not just the wait till next year, Cubs mentality, hope and pray that we get there, but that idea that, you know what, a bounce here or two, a break here or there, we, we might be the ones that are in the Stanley Cup final and, and, and not the Tampa Bay Lightning. And in those acquisitions, it's very obvious. Hey, we're trying to raise the floor, right? Maybe they don't aspire for the ceiling in some of their talent evaluations, but it's very obvious. Hey, how do we raise the floor so we can mitigate, you know, certain level of luck to some degree? You know, why go high variance when we can kind of know what we're getting? And there's value in doing that now. Maybe it's a bit too much across the roster, but nevertheless, like they get these guys in and it's just, you watch them play similar to what we're talking about with the, the Canadian women uh, in the last segment, like just tenacious. Like it doesn't look like fun. To play against the Islanders. And it's a sport. You're meant to go have some fun and, and showcase your skill. And you pay your money and you want to see a high a high event game. But boy, it doesn't look like fun to, to play the Islanders. And I almost wonder if the Islanders are like the team for hockey purists. Yeah. They could be. They kill your will. Yeah. They, they just make it known right from the get-go. It is going to be a tough night. And listen, the setup where they are... The convenience of being in the rink, the the travel that they get to do, whether it's on buses or move around, like not on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. There's a real quick trip to Philly and you're yeah, back home in your bed at night. A real want and desire to stay in that area, and that's why I think you're seeing some of those players, whether they flip from the Devils to the Islanders, that, that they have it pretty <laughs> yeah. good there. They they like what they see, and they also, I believe, like what Lou brings to the table by providing them that opportunity to be competitive year after year after year after year. 650, 650, uh, keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, would rather have one cup like the Flames in 89 than be the Sharks in the playoffs. That is an unsigned text. Yeah, of course you want to have your team win it all. I, yes. I understand that. But we but- weren't talking about it in a conversation of guaranteed playoff success. The, the Sharks... That building, that excitement down there, year after year being right there, and and yeah, you don't get over the hump because that's the great thing about sports. So there is no guarantee. You can be the best team and not win, but I get it. I, I'd love Vancouver to have a Stanley Cup as well. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it is pretty cool when you think year after year that your club has an opportunity to get there. And oh, maybe this year not next because we're still good. We still have these solid pieces. We have our identity, and and that to me with the changes that the hockey team has made here, finding that identity will be so very important for the Canucks out of the gate and that they stick to it and they play that way. And just to kind of reiterate, I was talking about marveling at longevity here. Yes. That 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 matters. Being, being able to be consistently good and giving yourself that chance. And it's not as if they're first-round doormats, you know, like the Leafs, for instance. They are winning series. They are pushing deep into the playoffs. Yeah, there's a and difference. Giving yourself that chance. You're right. There's a difference. There was a long time where the the Maple Leafs were like mediocrity. They mm-hmm. knew exactly what it would take just to make the playoffs, and yeah. they kept doing that. But they they didn't really feel like oh, when you got there, you had a an opportunity to go all the way. That 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 idea of of being good enough to win and maybe not getting there. That to me is something that you can get behind for sure. And, and you know, repeated third round appearances 
matters in that in this context. Even for something like comedy, right? Like staying power matters. Okay, I, I I hate a movie that a lot of people love, Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. At one point, there was a lot of people that were like, well, this is such a funny movie. This guy, I even forgot his name. Was it John Hader? Was that his name? People were like, this is a new brand of comedy. That guy had like a three-year run of like comedic success. Cool. Like really at the height of your game, but you didn't have a lot of staying power. Steve Martin is like still doing things at this age. He's coming out with this new thing on Netflix, and it looks hilarious. Him and Martin Short. There's another guy. Been in the game a long time. That's staying power. That matters. In this conversation. And yeah, you're going to have your highs, you're going to have your lows, and all that sort of stuff. But being consistently great at something really matters. And for the Islanders, they're Steve Martin. They're, 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 they're hanging around. They're coming up with new content. They're coming up with new playoff wins. So you're saying they're old with all these guys they've re-signed, yes. Well, well they are. They just signed Casey Zizekas <laughs> to Lord knows when, till 2027. We'll be talking about Casey Zizekas just grinding people into the uh, into the boards five years from now. And th- that's what I, I think I marvel at for teams that are able to just continually have success in the playoffs. Again, not just making the playoffs and losing in round one. Having success in the playoffs. Yes, the Stanley Cup is the ultimate goal, but... Well, one team it, wins it. It is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey, they all shoot for it, but only one team's the champion. It's not fair to say there's 31 losers. I get it, but there's different benchmarks benchmarks for success for all 32 teams. We're not looking at the Kraken this year and like, oh, if they don't win the Stanley Cup, they're losers. They're an expansion team. If they get 90 points, we're going to be blown away. That's success. That's And that's the context of this conversation. Beck Nazar, Craig McEwen, uh, we'll talk some of the NFL coming up. Uh, join with Katie Caldwell in just a second here. Uh, do a little AFC, uh, NFC preview. Your Raiders, are they looking sharp? Feeling, you, you feeling hopeful? If, if you're in a, a division with KC, yeah, not so much. And Justin Herbert now. Yes, and you could argue the Broncos are probably better as well. And arguably, yeah, the, the best defensive mind in football in Vic Fangio for the Broncos, so... Yeah. Tough, oh, way to bring me down, Vic. Sledding. Way to bring me down, you know, uh, as we head to the last segment. Yeah, we'll talk some NFL and recap by that gold medal victory for the Canadian women yesterday as well. On the way here on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. You know, in my head, it seemed like a great idea to play the song, and now you actually hear it, you're like, oh, yeah. It mind. only took an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Greg and Art really working hard back there. Yeah. Chitter chattering. is actually be, brutal. Chitter chattering behind the glass. We finally are reunited, <laughs> yes. An hour and a half later. And 10 days later, or more, uh, maybe more than that. It's been a while since we uh, did a show together. A lot of reaction coming to the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Sorry, Napoleon Dynamite is superior to anything Steve Martin has done or ever will do. So you're missing the point of the conversation. I didn't seem to say Napoleon Dynamite was bad. I personally don't like it, but I understand it had its moment in popularity. But John Hader, Heater, whatever his name is, he had like a three-year run of, man, this guy's the top of comedy. Steve Martin's been doing it since the 70s, maybe even earlier. You would know, C-Mac. <laughs> yes, I would know. Like, he's been doing it since the 70s. He's got a new show with Martin Short, Selena Gomez coming out. And it's, it's like, yeah, he still draws since the 70s. It's 2021. Well, 
Dunbar Lumber Tech's inbox, 650-650. Josh or Joe and Sycamus. This is awesome. Steve Martin is an absolute genius. Yeah. Like a serious musical genius. And to top it all off, he's got comedic skills as well. And for the uh, text coming in as well, uh, I'd always rather win a championship. I didn't say wouldn't rather win a championship. A ch- championship. I said I marvel at the teams that have sustained success all the time. And, and I think you're looking at it wrong. Just the idea of just because you lost this text coming in, Brendan and Nanaimo. What is the point of the Buffalo Bills losing four straight and wanting that? I don't understand what you're getting at. You're missing the point of how difficult it is to be excellent. That's the part. That's the part that you're missing. It is difficult to maintain that level of excellency. This isn't just a show up and it's easy to, to, to win. Winning's tough. Winning is really tough. And if there's any an indication uh, of of what you need to know, you can just like look at last night, man. That gold medal game. Yeah. That's a very successful team in Canadian women's hockey. And they haven't won in a long time at the World Championships. Nine years. Because the team they were playing, the country, was yeah. is just as good. Winning is tough. And to get to, to have consistent, hey, 12 and 4, 13 and 3 seasons, getting to Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl, four in a row, and I get losing at that pinnacle sucks too. But maintaining that level of excellency is something to be marveled at. That level of consistency is unbelievable. And two things can be true at the same time. You can achieve that level and have success and also lose and be the butt in the, butt in the jokes. Both can be true. It doesn't have to be one or the other. But constantly having that level of success is absolutely something that should be marveled at. Jordan and Coquitlam, not buying what you're selling. Excellence is measured in championships only. Explanation. Well, then guess what? Okay, if you want to live in that reality, so many of us, myself included, are losers. Like, myself included. Unless unless you're the top person in your industry. Unless you're making the most money, you got a, a shelves of awards, we're all losers. Because that's the only way to define excellency. But if you're running a business right now and you've been open for 25 years, okay, maybe you're not the best sandwich shop in the world. Guess what? Every one of your patrons thinks you're a loser. That's the only way you can say that. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be defined by awards and championships. Long-term and sustained success can also be uh, marveled at and appreciated. Ah. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get so worked over, up over Steve Martin. <laughs> Look what you started. Ah, uh, just the worst. This is what I do. Uh, Big Nazar, Craig McEwen. Let's welcome in Katie Caldwell uh, joining us now. What's going on, Katie? I am so excited to be here on Bowl Cut Day of all days. <laughs> Guys, do I have some photos to send to you after we are done? <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. Let's just say that bowl cuts were in for about five years, and I had one for about five years too long. What? So, like oh, short hair many, bowl many, cut? many years. Yes. I, I, think, I was born. I think it's more in your 80s, parents. Okay. Like my mom was Scottish, you know, a bit by heritage. It's cheap, right? They, you get the bowl out, just cut that around and get out of here, kid. You're done. Well, that's what my grandmother did with all of us cousins. Boy, girl, it didn't matter. You sit in the chair, you get the bowl on your head, and we're all getting free haircuts. <laughs> uh, 650, 650 uh, comments keep coming in. Brendan and Imo. Uh, who's saying it's not difficult to maintain that level of excellence? Of course, fans want that. I'm telling you. A lot of people texting in right now. We're having this conversation, Katie, of just how tough it is to win. I'm not even sure how this started. Was it the Islanders? Yes. Yeah, the Islanders. It started with the Islanders. And I was, I was just kind of thinking, hey, they've been to a couple of 
conference finals. They're always competitive. They're raising the floor, and, and I kind of marvel at that idea. Uh, I don't know. Are, are you pro long playoff runs with ultimately maybe no uh, Stanley Cup or no championship, or uh, are you just the the one and done? Oh, that one's kind of tough to say because we look at teams like the Patriots and they were so good for so long and now it appears that we're going to be back there. And there is a level of frustration that you feel when it's consistently going up against a team that you like. I don't know. It kind of depends on the sport for me. But yeah, Canucks fans, that's a rough one if we're going based on championships. It it, it can be tough in that regard. The ring is the thing. The ring is the thing. The The ring is the thing. What is that? That's the championship ring. The ring is the thing. Like yesterday, Team Canada, the ring yeah. was the thing. Uh, we're talking to Katie Caldwell, uh, World Hockey Report as well. Uh, so what did you make of the game last night? I thought, uh, you know, the, the, the way the Canadian women like rallied in that game, it wasn't just about getting the W. It was, hey, second period kind of just felt like we've been through this before. We can calm our nerves, steel ourselves, and before you know it, we'll win one board battle and we'll win this one puck battle and before you know it a goal goes in and and at that stage you can see it coming and you can see it turning towards their favor I just thought the the, the term for me after last night was resilient Mm -hmm. yeah Bick you're absolutely right with that one it was just such a special game for so so many reasons like you have the classic rivalry between Canada and the United States it's on home ice without most fans, unfortunately, but it's still in Canada. It's You've got overtime, and it's Captain Canada scoring the goal, and you guys were talking about this earlier with the penalties. It's one after another, and it just it proves the mental toughness that they had. Again and again, it was just such an engaging match, but it was special outside of the game itself, too. The Women's Worlds, they were cancelled last year, and many people were rightly upset that the IIHF didn't have a plan B or a contingency plan, especially as various men's tournaments were still going on. So overall, it was just such a fun, a memorable night and a total showcase for why we should be investing in women's hockey. And Bic, there's two players I want to highlight here. You guys talked about her earlier uh, in Blair Turnbull. Oh, yeah. What a Canadian moment where you suffer a broken leg celebrating and for the rest of my life, I'll never forget the sight of her on a stretcher, smiling and laughing with that metal around her neck. So her, and then also uh, Jamie Lee Rattray, who utilizes every second on that sheet of ice better than her. It was just, I, I was so shocked the first few prelim games where she was the 13th forward, and she seemed like every single time she hit the ice, she was making an impact. So it was just a fun night. It was a total team effort, and it was just such a great night to be a Canadian. <laughs> The year of Canadian women, I tell you. Yeah, c- country versus country is is always captivating and, and, and holds your mm-hmm. attention. But but in this case too, Katie, you, you talked about it, the, the showcase that wasn't, they had to wait for this matchup, and now mm-hmm. seeing it, believing it, it's so very important no matter, you know, whether you play the game of hockey, you just are a casual observer of sports, to, to see a country prevail and to come back like Canada did in, in being down, not giving up. And, and that just sets the table, does it not, for future generations. And, and they can say, I remember when you know someone came out on a stretcher, got it. I can remember when that goal went in and they didn't quite call it. That idea of being inspirational for future generations of players is important no matter what the sport or what the game. 
That's it exactly. Because you think you talk to so many people and you ask the question, how did you get into sports? Why are you such a sports fan? And oftentimes, if it's not something that you grew up with necessarily, it's looking at a moment like that, whether it's basketball and it's Kawhi or, or the Olympics and a goal that goes in. Like So many times it's one big moment where the whole country is celebrating together. And it is crazy the effect that it does have down the road. It's, it's encouraging. And I just I hope that this isn't something we're excited about just every four years because we saw the product last night and like I said it's just something that we need to invest in well that's interesting too because I, I I do think of times of you know not that we're not at the height of women's hockey right now but to me it, it did maybe feel like 10 years ago of you know Haley Wickenizer and you're seeing a lot of star power mm-hmm. and I, I look at last night and it's like okay Marie Philippoulin scores that goal and it's like how do we not talk about her as like one of the most decorated Canadian athletes more often and it did get me to think of like a unheralded Canadian athletes because we're talking like star man like gold winning mm-hmm. gold winning goals and game winning goals and championship winning goals and here she is rising to the occasion another time and perhaps it's a hockey thing of slowly phasing into the team mentality rather than celebrating individual stars. You you named a couple there, but we need to spend more time talking about what a great athlete Poulin is. We absolutely do, Beck, and you hit the nail on the head with that one. And I think the same could be said about Christine Sinclair. There are so many times when we talk about the greatest Canadian athletes of all time, and her name simply isn't a given in that tier. So, yeah, I think it's just time that we keep having these conversations outside of world championships, outside of the Olympics, because it's just, it's so much fun, And but they need us to invest in it. They need media to be talking about it. They need companies to invest. They need money. But these women are all such marketable athletes. So there's no reason not to, but we just need to get there. And uh, hopefully, Katie, we will. Katie Caldwell joining us here on Bick and the Boss, Sportsnet 650. So let's uh, switch topics here. I know the, the NFL is, is, is your thing. Uh, you really enjoy the sport. And, you know, cut down day yesterday. I, I guess I'll start with the, the biggest news of Cam Newton moving on. And, and today we hear, you know, Meyer, Urban Meyer saying in Jacksonville, the COVID didn't have a case in it. Bill Belichick mm-hmm. also saying that. So let's take COVID out of the equation. Just from a football point of view, are you surprised that the Patriots are moving on from Cam and, and going with a, a rookie quarterback in a division that, you know, they're they're not the favorites anymore? Good question, C-Mac. And my answer today is different than it was at the beginning of the preseason. And I know we shouldn't put too much stock in the preseason, but for things like this, it does matter. So full honesty, guys, I thought Cam would be their starter on week one. And I'll tell you why. He's... He's someone that can keep you competitive. He has experience on his side. And my thought process, like many other people, it was see how far he can take you and go with him until you don't have to anymore. And I was excited to see it. I've always been a fan of Cam. And simply put, he wasn't particularly set up for success last year. And they've upgraded the team this year. There were key opt-outs last year. Look at Dante Hightower. So I was hoping to see what he would be able to do. And Bill Belichick did say numerous times, not that you can always take what he says at face value, but he said that Cam Newton is the starting quarterback if or until someone can outplay him. And that's exactly what I think happened. It's not that, it's not that Cam lost the job necessarily. I think Mac Jones took it from him. And obviously, like you said, C-Mac, like there's a lot of layers to the story. There's the whole... COVID mishap drama with Cam, but this seemed pretty performance-based to me. Like, 
Mac Jones, he's been given a ton of reps. He's shown nothing but promise. He's throwing with consistency and accuracy. And when he makes mistakes, he's not repeating them. And it looks like he's learning from them. And that those are all things that Bill Belichick, of course, is just going to love in his system. But he seems like someone with a high football IQ. And he looks like he's got the maturity and that he understands this moment. And I don't know about you guys, but the moment that he fell to the Patriots at 15, I just went, are we seriously doing this again? Like we had one year of them being yeah, kind of okay and we're really going back there. Hey. Well, for me, like fit matters in this scenario, right? And I didn't think mm-hmm. Mac Jones was the most talented quarterback, but that's based on comparing him to everyone, not what team you're with, what, what's your coaching staff, what's your surrounding talent. And fit really matters uh, for Mac Jones. And I think even for Cam Newton. Like I, mm-hmm. You know, for what you're saying, like Cam Newton's infinitely more talented than Mac Jones. He just is. He's won an MVP. He's an athletic specimen. He, he can do things on the football field that many can't, and certainly Mac Jones can. But when you talk about fit, who's a better fit for the New England Patriots right now? It's, it's for the way they want to play football, you know, be conservative, be smart with the ball, win the field position battle, be efficient. That sounds like Mac Jones, not Cam Newton. It does. And then there's also the extra layer of as a team, you're managing things like egos and big personalities. And if you're in a situation where you want to look at Mac Jones and say, okay, you're our guy, you're our one moving forward, we see all this promise in you. But when you've got a guy like Cam Newton, who is so successful, and he's he's proven himself time and time again, it's a little bit of a like a, a tough situation, I would imagine when you're kind of looking over your shoulder as Mac Jones going Cam Newton is right there. And I think Newton still has it in him to be a starter, absolutely. But I don't quite know who will take him on as that. But I think just personality-wise, it could be tough having such a personality and, from what I've been told, a leader in the room, kind of being that backup role. Katie Caldwell joining us here on uh, Bick and the Boss. Uh, Katie, what what intrigues you Let's look at the the AFC because we've been talking about it, and I'm sure it's not just the Patriots and what they're doing with their quarterback. But what <laughs> what intrigued you this year? Is it that uh, looming battle with KC Buffalo? You know how do you, how do you size things up uh, on that side? It sounds like a bit of a generic answer, but I'm the most intrigued with just the AFC in general because I don't think in my lifetime I remember it being this stacked, especially in a season where there's more room for things to go wrong because I think last season we were hoping that this year we would have a totally normal world and football season, but that's just not the reality that we're in right now. COVID is still very much a problem and I think that will play in to the NFL, but the AFC, like I start to look at teams that could take down Kansas City because of course they're still in their own tier and you look at the Browns and you can see a path there. I look at the Bills and Between the Browns and Bills, that's kind of a big one where people are going back and forth of who could be the ones to dethrone the Chiefs. Between the two, they're both very complete and don't have a lot of holes. I trust trust, um, Josh Allen more than Baker Mayfield. But then you start looking at teams like Denver and you go, they're super complete now. Their defense is awesome. And if they can get it together at quarterback with Teddy Bridgewater... Who knows what they can do? And then you start looking around in other divisions, and there are just so many more teams than usual that I think could make a break for it. And it's it's been challenging to make tiers of who's good in the AFC. You can make ones that are not as good. That's easier. But, yeah, this this one just seems way 
more wide open than usual. The NFC, not as much, but yeah, the AFC in particular, there's so many teams. I'm just excited to see what they do. Even the Raiders, who knows with them? She is uh, Katie Caldwell. Katie, thanks a lot for uh, spending some time with us. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day. Say hi to Carl for us. (laughs) Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on and stay safe. For those that don't know, Carl is her awesome dog. Okay. I was wondering who Carl was. Yeah. You know, don't follow her on on Twitter uh, on Twitter or Instagram. What are those two things again? <laughs> I'm as a, I observe. I don't, I'm not sure I'm following anyone. I'm just, you're like Bill okay. Belichick. So what's on? Uh, what's going on? With that snappy face. <laughs> yes, that's me. Yes. Chatagram is that what it's called? I need a new hoodie. <laughs> you would show up with like the arms cut. Oh, for sure. What is okay? Take me back to like summer. Your twenties. Your your you know peak physical capabilities. Your your running, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. cut hoodie. No, the half shirts. Oh, okay. You know the the whole the Zeke Hawaii. Style? Oh yeah, yeah the 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 mesh kind of the <laughs> the, the the half mesh shirt. Oh yeah, yeah. So okay, so who was your inspiration? Was it Brian Bosworth or something like that? Because yeah. he because he, he'd be like that. He pulled that off. Yeah, Boz well. the Boz. Boz. It was kind of that the hair too. You probably did that. Uh, we're back to the hair again. Listen, <laughs> I I toyed with once getting a perm and and thought the better of it. What? Stoker and perm. Stoker. And How perm. would that have looked? It didn't. It didn't go that's, well. That's prime bullying material yes. in elementary school. Not oh. that bullying is a good thing. It's not a good thing, but it was prevalent, and yeah, yes. that, that's why I I backed out. I backed out of the perm. Who did someone talk you out of it? Oh yeah, friends. Uh, no, my mom, and oh, not because okay. she wanted to give me another bowl cut. She's like, "You really want to do this?" And yeah. I, I, I liken it to being a Whitecaps fan and seeing some of the players with the longer hair and the curls. And I had just straight hair, right? Nothing, no, no bend, no nothing. And I thought I could rock that. And she's like, "No, you can't." How, how am I going to jazz this up? And you just couldn't. You no, just couldn't. couldn't I, I had a moment like that where I wanted to buy a white blazer. Okay. I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm in the store, and it's like, friends are like, you, you realize how much how expensive it is? It's like, yeah, but like, white blazer. It's like, what are you, an NSYNC music video? Don't do this. I tried it on, and I was like, it looks good, guys. And they like took it off of me, and they're like, we're, we're leaving the store right now. I was like, all right, fine. I, I still think about it to this day. To this day. But I was saying earlier how I want my friends to tell me when I'm making a mistake. For sure. That's what friends are for. And then sometimes they just want to laugh at you, so they don't tell you about the mistake, and then it's a good night out. I was very fortunate at that moment. Uh, a white blazer. I still think I could have pulled it off. Uh, Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen. Uh, we're talking about the NFL there. Days away. Over a week away. A uh, week tomorrow. Uh, things kick off. Wait. Yeah, that's, that's right. Thursday Night Football. Tom Brady and the Dallas Cowboys. Be, uh, we assume Dak, off. yes. We assume Dak, yes. I'm. Uh, I feel comfortable in saying it will be Dak. But are the Buccaneers? I, I, it's so weird. Tom Brady just does this, and I, I you're speaking of longevity theme of the show. Now here he is, constantly having success. Do you think he can do this again? Like honestly, yeah, you, I really do. You do, huh? I, I'm okay. Here's I one of those know. things. We, like we aspire to be right. Yes, right. We 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 spend time looking over all the stats and. You know, who's got good chemistry? You try to find this out. We aspire to be right. I'm just going to declare this. I'm okay being wrong. I will be the last one to the party of Tom Brady is washed up. Hap- like, happy to admit that. I want the dirt on the career of finally being like, it's over. And I'll show up and be like, hey, guys, isn't Tom Brady washed up? And, and you all will say, 
Vic, we already made the joke. So I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'm going to be late to the party. And Are I guess you what? really? I'm yeah. comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it. Because I thought, and actually, I shouldn't even say I thought. There was a lot of claims that, hey, two, three years ago, boy, he looks done. And I thought the velocity was still there on the throw. I just didn't think it was a lot of talent. But, you, you know, because of the age, you just think, okay, maybe he is kind of done. But there he is, still winning. Still winning. Now, look, great team. You need overall success and, and overall talent on your roster so quarterback can prop it up a little bit more and manage the game, which I think is absolutely a compliment, not a diss uh, at quarterbacks. And next Thursday, it, it might be the start of another Tom Brady successful season that ends with them in the Super Bowl. I, I was doing my power ranks uh, over my holidays. I, I didn't necessarily just... Uh, Chill out and read. You books. told me you zoned out. You said I Hang I on. wasn't doing any work, I, boss. I, I, no, I was no, no. chilling. I zoned I out. Like, I zoned out from my email. Okay. I didn't reply to any six fifty people. Yeah. You know, I had a couple of social occasions, but I did a lot of football work. You know, doing my power ranks. And the Buccaneers taught my list. And I'm thinking, here we go again. Well, they're back. I mean, their their team is back. And listen, we've seen lesser quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. You know, Peyton Manning gets one with the Broncos with a terrible performance and you know, Trent Dilfer. But Ooh, you see that video of him the other week? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. not a good look. Not a good look. But in the case of Tom Brady, I don't know. I, I, I wonder, does he, he's been aging. Does it continue to be gracefully or does it just fall off a cliff? Like, does it just like, he just doesn't have it anymore. It is gone. I you think, know, I think it'll be gracefully. Cause how many times do you think he needs to throw a fastball? True. Right? Like, how many times does Tom Brady need to really put everything into his arm to make this throw? There's a lot of talent on that team. And you can just wait for your moments. Over the course of a season, I'd probably say Tom Brady puts everything into his throw 20 times. Maybe. Everywhere else, it's, hey, get my nine yards. Screen pass. You go get 23. And he can still find spots and yeah. put it in the window. Yeah. And that is what is probably most impressive. He's never going to outrun anyone. He's never going to throw the ball 80 yards down the field. But he still puts it in those spots and can see and think the game. That's, that's been the most impressive thing with me. But I, I kind of think he's just going to one day not have it. He's just going to be out there and you're like, okay, that wasn't it, the greatest game. It might come quick, as we've seen with other old quarterbacks. Yeah. But I, I don't see it right now. I just don't see it. Vic Nazar, Craig McEwen, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, People show. Hey, before you go, Dave and Richmond, your buddy here with one. Oh, uh, I've missed one. Dave. I've missed Dave. What's you got to read Dave? this one. Yeah. Here. Uh, Dunbar Lumber, text inbox, 650-650. Vic, I remember when I wanted a perm and a blue blazer. Now I have no hair and a blue blazer would like like a Home Depot tarp. <laughs> So go for it while you still can. Go get the white blazer. I should have. And this was like 14 years ago. But I'm Dave. I'm with you. No hair and blue blazer. I got plenty of blue blazers in my closet. Don't got a lot of hair. Uh, (laughs) Keep your conversation coming. 650, 650. You're the people. The people show on the way. Jen Barrow is going to join. Irfan Gaffar is going to join as well. Coming up, Sat Dan Randeep on the way. Home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.